Qatar says measures taken by the European Union over an alleged case of corruption will hurt relations. The European Parliament suspended all work linked to Qatar after allegations that it had been involved in offering bribes. The BBC's Sebastian Usher reports. The Gulf state again rejected allegations that it had anything to do with a major corruption scandal. Four people, including a serving MEP, have been charged with taking bribes and gifts from Qatar in a bid to influence decisions at the parliament. The Qatari diplomat statement expressed deep disappointment, but the Belgian government had, in his words, made no effort to engage with the Qatari government to establish the facts. The scandal has erupted just as European countries have been looking to Qatar as an alternative source of gas supplies. Argentina have won the World Cup for the third time, beating France on penalties in Qatar. They scored four penalties to France's two. Extra time had ended three all after France's star striker Kylian Mbappe scored a late goal to complete their second comeback of the game and his hat-trick. The BBC's Katie Watson is with Argentinian fans in Buenos Aires. People really wanted this, not just for Argentina. Yes, a third win after 36 years was important, but what was important was that this was a win for Lionel Messi. People here, everyone's wearing, you know, Messi's shirts. This was something that everybody felt so personally that it wouldn't be fair if he walked away from such a glittering career without the World Cup. Um, but this is just the icing on the cake, the fact that Lionel Messi can go away with the World Cup win, not just for him, for his family from Zario, where he comes from, which has got such a big, you know, footballing culture and such a, a huge support there for him. But the whole of Argentina and the whole of South America really that's got behind this. Finally, at least 19 people have been killed and dozens injured in a fire inside a road tunnel in Afghanistan. A Taliban official said an oil tanker overturned and caught fire in the Salang Tunnel, which links Kabul to northern provinces. You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Good morning. It's 8.05 in Hong Kong on December 19th as we head into Christmas. I'm Andrew Work in all week for the sojourning Peter Lewis. Headlines last week were dominated by rising interest rates pushing the markets downwards and Sam Bankman frees legal woes and the collapse of FTX. But here at Money Talk, we look forward. Goldman Sachs announced an 8% cut in its workforce to come in January with some suspicion that the cuts will void some bonuses just in time, saving a bigger bonus pool for those that survived the cull. Competing reports on China's excess death tolls it opens up uh, from COVID suggested it could range from 1 million to 1.5 million, an additional 10 to 15% of the annual total in a normal year. Hard numbers may be hard to come by, but apparently the Beijing Dongzhao Crematory, designed for COVID ex-patients, has had a flood of requests for cremations. But it seems like the growth agenda is back on the table for 2023, according to statements from China's leadership at the China's Central Economic Work Conference that wrapped up on Friday. Growth is also the target for Macau, which renewed license fees for its big six operators for another 10 years. This time, the money that might have gone to license fees is partially being directed towards commitments by the big operators in medical tour to go to medical tourism and other non-gambling tourism investments. And if you've been watching Macau for a while, that might sound like we've been here before. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong, Director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and Nitin Dildas, the Chief Investment Officer at Mandarin Capital. In the second part of the show, we'll say ni hao to the Chairman of Tenrong Bao. 
Wu Yanan, the man who will give us the view from mainland China. Don't forget, you can email us at moneytalk uh, at rthk.hk. You can hit us at Facebook, uh, which is Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, or hit us on Twitter at Money Talk on Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, people, it's time to kick off the week looking at last week's markets. Uh, last week, the markets had no Christmas cheer with the S&P, the worst of a bad bunch, dropping a further 1.1% on Friday. The Dow and NASDAQ weren't far behind, both dropping just shy of 1%. And the TSX was right with them, losing 0.8% on Friday, tobogganing downwards from Tuesday. Call Gerard Butler. Europe has fallen, with the stock 600 index down 1.2% on Friday. The ECB's rate rise was matched by the Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank, leading to the worst day for Eurozone stocks in six months. The FTSE 100 docked 1.3%. And the German DAX and French CAC both lost over 2.5% over the week. But who was the global star performer on Friday? Our own Hang Seng Index. It finished up on, it finished up 0.4%. Not much, but we'll take it. Other regional bourses, however, were in line with the rest of the world. With the Nikkei 225 down almost 2%. Koreans and Shanghainese traders are probably grateful their local bourses were essentially flat on Friday. Oil and gas dropped 2% and 5.15% respectively. That brings Brent crude down to $79 a barrel. Gold was up on Friday, but it was after its worst week in a month, closing at $1,792 an ounce. Copper and silver were also up, but platinum and palladium took a beating. Palladium in particular had a terrible week, dropping from $62,000 a kilo to $55,000 a kilo. Lost 8% on Thursday, and then almost 6% on Friday. Uh, the U.S. dollar is making modest gains against all major currencies, with only the Kiwi dollar gaining any ground against the U.S. recently. Uh, looking at crypto, Bitcoin is up 0.18% in 24-hour trading, and Ethereum is up 4.4%. Uh, Binance Blockchain was up 5%, and other trading cryptos are up, trending upwards now after a terrible week. Uh, looking ahead, uh, down under, the markets have already opened in Australia, and we are seeing red on the ASX 200. Not great. Uh, the Hong Kong Futures Index also not looking its best. Uh, expecting uh, down 25 points or 0.12%. And that is a look at the markets for today. All right, I'm going now to our guests in the studio. We have Alex Wong, who's the director of Alex Wong, K. Wong uh, KY Wong Asset Management. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Andrew. We'd also like to welcome Nidis Dildas, who's the chief investment officer at Mandarin Capital. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, gentlemen, uh, rate hikes across the board. Uh, a lot of the announcements came out last week. They hit the markets at the close of last week. Looking ahead, uh, what do you guys think the runway to Christmas looks at? I think uh, the market right now is uh, assessing the recession risk uh, around the globe. So um, the weak retail sales number actually was the focus last week, and people are a bit worried about um, a hawkish Fed and also a recession risk in, in, in the U.S. and probably uh, something from the um, weak retail sales. So I think uh, we probably would still see a weak uh, U.S. market coming on. That's a lot of bad news to kick off the week. Nitin, what, what do you figure? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the focus is now going to be on the res recession chances. Um, I think there's starting to get some diversification in terms of thoughts where some people are thinking will be a full-blown recession. 
Others think it might just be a very, very weak recession and recovery. So I think that's going to be where the focus lies. Um, the other focus will be seeing whether the opening up of China starts seeing that uh, China rebound as well. Um, Alex just talked about the weak figures in the US, but there were also pretty weak figures in China last week that came through. So now that it's opening up, we've got to see whether that starts recovering as well. And I mean, as you know, people are talking China's opening up, so things are going to get better. But, you know, if COVID really kicks off uh, and has an impact in the markets, I mean, uh, which where do you see the balance lying in those two things? What are, what are the factors at play? Well, I think if you, I mean, we're talking about what, one to one and a half million deaths, that's 0.7% of the whole population. I mean, if we're putting it in perspective, there's 1.5 billion people over there. I'm not trying to poo-poo any, I mean, nobody wants any deaths, so I'm not trying to poo-poo it in any way, but we've got to keep things in perspective. US has had a million deaths as well over COVID. So I think you have to go through this phase. We've all seen it everywhere has opened up apart from China now. And you have that spike, and then once you get through the spike, it's, things start normalizing. So um, you've got to take the pain. And then once you've taken that pain, I think you will see uh, some sort of rebound. I'm not just sure how strong that rebound will be. I mean, we've already seen major disruptions in supply chains. Is it going to be kind of the continuing same level of chaos, or are things going to get worse? No, I, I don't think it'll be um, as chaotic. I think, you know, once you've decided you're going to go down a path you just do it and eventually things start normalizing so it there'll be a, obviously a, a little bit of teething issues to start with um but beyond that it will be i think it'll be okay and um we just got to get through the next month or so where things will spike and things will be quite tough but beyond that as i said i think it could be quite interesting the question now is really do companies that have left china come back in any way to china or have they gone forever? And I think that's why I say we've got to see how strong the rebound is. Mm -hmm. Alex? Yes, I agree. I think uh, people would expect a normalization of uh, the uh, China COVID policy. So I think uh, this um, is uh, in the market expectation already. And things are actually would be better uh, next year in China. Uh, but the risk is uh, like... Um, Apple, they they have they are diversifying the manufacturing base, so they may not come back. So the strength of the recovery actually is in questions, and also uh, it would be a, a little bit pumpy because the COVID cases may spike up, and and the policy change uh, probably may be delayed a little bit. Hmm. Guys, I want to I want to pivot a little bit over to New York. Uh, Goldman Sachs made a big announcement. Uh, they're going to be cutting eight thousand people and uh they're not the only ones who've been making announcements about cuts uh why are we hearing so much about this from the financial sector right now i think first of all uh, we have a very weak uh, ipos uh, market in the world so that is affecting uh the uh, corporate uh, finance size of um, the uh investment banks in the world so that is what goldman strength is in so uh, and also i think uh um they they want to uh, streamline their, their course and 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 with the advance of technology, actually they probably may, maybe do the same things with le uh, less staff. So I think uh, that's why we are seeing uh, major cuts in the financial sectors. Do you think maybe there's a little bit of overhiring in the last couple of years? Yeah, of course. I think uh, we have a spike in in IPO in uh, 2021. So uh, there's, that, that things are normalizing and the market get weak and we are seeing uh, much less activities. I mean, is this, uh, do either of you have an opinion, is this going to, how is this going to impact on Hong Kong? I mean, whether it's Goldman or other banks, are we going to see a, a wave of uh, layoffs in the banking se sector in this city, or are we maybe a little bit uh, insulated from that? 
No, I think we probably would be facing the same situation. Even though uh, China probably may outperform a little bit in 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 the stock markets uh, next year, uh, IPOs probably may still be a little bit uh, quiet. But uh, the situation may be better because probably we have uh, we we are moving ahead of the other part of the world. Yeah, what do you think, Nen? Well, I think um, we've had a lot of people that have left as well, so we do have some sort of shortage. So I don't think we'll see as much of a layoff as the rest of the world will see. And actually, there will be some sort of hiring that will come back. And, you know, you've got some of the banks that are tailored towards this side of the world, take HSBC, that have actually turned around and said they're going to hire as opposed to fire. And they're going to take advantage of the situation. So I think overall, we'll, we will be somewhat isolated just on the fact that we've had so many people leave and um, in the last year, year and a half. And they weren't really replaced, were and they? And they haven't been replaced. Well, nobody, nobody's wanted to come back to Hong Kong. I mean, not with all the restrictions that have been placed. So at least now with Hong Kong opening up and the restrictions easing and Hong Kong returning to normal, you'll have some sort of influx of people wanting to return. And uh, yeah, I think the banking sector will pick up some of that on the hiring side. Are, are all bankers uh, equal under this higher interest rate environment? I mean, if you're on the if you're on the lending side, presumably higher interest rates are going to be able to mark up more and make more. But I mean, uh, you know, obviously the, not so good for the investment bankers. Are there are there some sectors of the financial world that are going to do better than others? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. I think you can, you go in the commercial and retail side, they'll be all right. But the investment side might might have a few headwinds. Um, ahead, and they've got to just work out how to deal through it. But overall, like I said, I mean, it really depends on where you're looking at. The West does seem to be looking like it's going to head towards a recession. Maybe Europe's going to be a lot worse than the US, but I mean, I think US will still have some sort of recession. And, um, you know, people are going to have to take a little bit of pain over there. But whereas over here, because we're on the other side of the cycle, we're just coming out of uh, all the restrictions because we've lost a lot of people, I think it, it will be somewhat. Um, cushioned. Are there are there interest? Are there uh, either mar- certain markets and certain uh, geographical jurisdictions or certain sectors that you're picking uh, for your clients next year? Maybe a little a little bit recession proof, if that's possible. Uh, I don't know if we're going say like recession proof, but I, as as I was just hinting at, I do think the eastern markets, but in particular Hong Kong and China, they look pretty good value, um, and it, there will be some sort of rebound and recovery, and I think that will start playing through. Um, so I think that, you know, where you, at the beginning of the show, you've stated that Hong Kong was the outperformer last week. I don't think that was by coincidence. I do think there is this looking at it over the fact that it is quite a cheap market and things are turning around. And I think that will continue going into next year. What do you think, Alex? Who, who are your picks to uh, ride, out a, ride out a mild recession? I think in the U.S. Uh, people are focusing on those uh, traditional names uh, like um, traditional uh, uh, brand names uh, and also uh, defense and healthcare. Uh, but uh, they are very resilient already, so they are not uh, really tripped. So I think uh, probably people would more will be more focused on the China reopening concept. So I think uh, companies with uh, exposures in China actually would be supported in the other parts of the world as well. And of course, I think uh, people would be more interested in Hong Kong and China because they had been underperforming for quite some time and the valuations actually look cheap in the meantime. So I think uh, the momentum in Hong Kong, China actually would be better. Now, do you think do you think it's politically uh, a good sell for for investors in New York and, and London, for example, to say, "Hey, guys, uh, now's the time to get back into China," or, or do you think there's some political uh, pushback on that? 
I think uh, there would be some political pushback. So uh, that's why I think uh, they probably would be also putting some money on those companies which have a uh, greater exposure in China market, say Nike, Starbucks, uh, etc. So I think uh, they probably would like to have those kind of exposure as well. Uh, but uh, uh, they probably would still put some parts of the money in the, in, the, in in Hong Kong and China because they really look cheap. And so th- I think uh, the exposure level actually would be a little bit affected by that. Uh, but I think uh, they probably would still allocate more because they have underweighted uh, underweight here for quite some time. How about other markets? I saw uh, I saw a headline that said that you know companies in Japan were very cashed up and that made them an attractive uh, target. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They are, they are, they are, they are also quite cheap. And but uh, I, I think uh, first of all they would be affected by volatile yen. And also, I think uh, they probably would be affected by corporate government issue. But I think that is improving because we are seeing more activists coming into Japan uh, over the past few years. So I think Japan probably would be another interesting place. Nidin, what do you think? You got other markets in Asia you've got your eye on? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, Japan's interesting. Um, Taiwan will be something I'd probably look at. Um, and maybe some of the emerging Asian markets like uh, like Vietnam, even though they've performed well recently, I think they will continue to do well. So... Um, I'm rather, I mean, I think on the Eastern side, I think it should be all right and we should have a, you know, pretty okay year. Um, it's the West where I think people have got to start worrying about it. And to be fair, the West has outperformed over the last eight, nine years. So it's time that money started shifting back East again. I mean, the U.S. is one thing you talk about the West, uh, Europe is the other. And, uh, you know, I'm getting a sense. I know the Bank of Canada seems like they've indicated they're, 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 they're maxing out their rate hikes. The U.S. seems the U.S. Fed seems to be slowing down, but that is not the message we're getting from Christine Lagarde, is it? No, not at all. And um, unfortunately, they're in the eye of the storm with the fact that they do rely a lot on Russian energy and um, Ukrainian gas. So they've really been in the eye of the storm and to try and create a new supply source, it, it, it's very difficult to do over such a short period of time. They're trying to do their best. But they've had to bring in all that inflation, and that's just that's hurting big time. Yeah, you couple that with the what was a weaker euro, so and given the fact everything's priced in dollars, you you got that natural inflation coming through there. So um, I think you know it's been a bit of a double whammy for them. I I think it'll be yeah a few more rate hikes before they finally uh, you know get to a point where they're kind of topping out. U.S. probably another 50 basis points or so, and then probably we'll see where it where it settles down at that. Yep. And Canada, yeah, like you said, it'll be kind of, I mean, they look like they're starting to stop out as well. Yeah. And Alex, uh, if Christine Lagarde, if she's so aggressive, she talks a big talk. We're not pivoting. We're not wavering. We are showing determination and resilience. But only, you know, 50 points. Why not 75 well, I think uh, that is really data dependent because I think uh, the risk of recessions in, in, in Europe actually is even greater than the US. So I think uh, that probably may make the market a little bit um, uh, reserved on, 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 the, on the amenity of the way high in the Euro. In Euro. Okay, guys. Well, guys, uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the show soon because uh, your regulars but glad to have you guys helping us to kick off the week. They are Alex Wong, director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and Nitin Diodas, uh, the chief investment officer at Mandarin Capital. All right, it's, uh, the time is now 8.22, and I'm Andrew Work, and this is Money Talk. And Monday means we are getting the view from mainland China. So we're welcoming to the show Wu Yanan, the chairman of Zhenrong Bao. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. How 
How are you this morning? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Better than the markets, that's for sure. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hope everybody's doing better in the markets. Um, so, you know, the big story in China, of course, uh, continuing is the opening up from COVID. A couple of reports came out uh, on the end of last week, one predicting a million excess deaths due to COVID and another one predicting 1.5 million excess deaths. That's only a, But, I mean, if that's all in a year, that's, that's a 10% increase. Um, but how is this going to impact the economy in the short term or, or the medium term? Take your pick to get started. Yeah, the, uh, I think the COVID uh, relaxation is really the main uh, key theme around the mainland China right now. Uh, I'm actually based in Beijing, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my company staff around 200 folks. And, uh, you know, just in the past 10 days, uh, more than uh, 60% of my staff have been uh, infected. So they are now back to uh, work from home. And according to the uh, some uh, you know, research data, uh, the Beijing uh, is really the first wave of the major cities uh, that's going to be relaxed on COVID uh, policy. And so far, I think uh, around the city, around 50% of the, uh, the population have been infected. And uh, Shanghai is probably catching up in the next wave. So I guess before the end of December, all nationwide uh, uh, big cities will be infected uh, quite uh, and spread quite actively. So really about the economy, I think the uh, if you look at recent economic numbers, uh, really it's very critical and serious. And uh, the November M2 uh, is year on year 12.4%. That means the monetary policy is really uh, relaxing to the extreme. And But if you look at social financing, uh, the data is in November is the year-on-year increase only 10%, and that's the lowest uh, so far this year. Mm-hmm. So that shows that demand is more and more uh, suppressed, and of course that's due to majorly the the restriction of COVID to traveling to all the economic activities uh, so far this year. So mm-hmm. M2 and uh, uh, social finance discrepancy also increased to two percent. You know that really shows the monetary policy is not too sufficient to get economy back. It's really demand. The demand side is so weak, mm-hmm. and with the relaxation of uh, the COVID, it will be very still struggling for the consumption for the next few months. So because the R zero of the current, uh, you know, the variant of uh, COVID in Beijing or Shanghai is probably. Uh, increased from 18 to 25 now. So one person can infect 25 people, you know, yeah, with the current variant. So that uh, will show uh, more and more compressed economic activity in the next few months before it's fully, uh, the whole major problem get fully infected. How much so of that's your, a, uh, one of the factors, yeah. That's a big factor. How many people in your office are actually showing up for work these days? I'm, I'm hearing stories uh, as, yeah. as you now schools are being closed, but I'm hearing stories that people are saying like, like nobody's showing up at work because either they're, they're infected or they're a close contact if somebody's infected, or maybe they're afraid of getting infected, so they're pretending they're infected. Yeah, I think, you know, unlike people in Hong Kong and maybe other uh, outside uh, China, Western countries, uh, because this is a very, really the first wave for the whole relaxation. So people are scared and uh, more sent- very sentimental. So my, my company staff, I have to be very accommodative to people 
my staff come back to us. So it's only 10%, I would say. You know, as of Friday, last Friday, it was 20, 20 staff. So today, probably even fewer because those who are infected still stay home. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's big numbers. Um, and I mean... Yeah. Yeah. So, so what is the plan to get back on track? We had the uh, the end. We had the closing of the Central Economic Work Conference, uh, and it seems like there's a real yeah. shift in tone from a couple of years ago. Like back to a pro yeah, growth. It, it, yeah. That's right. I think uh, the I think the government, of course, uh, feels the the it's really the bottom of this uh, the whole economic activities. If you project this year's uh, GDP growth, uh, most economists will predict, uh, you know, below 3% uh, the whole year, so probably 25 to 2.8%. And if we continue to restrict uh, COVID uh, policies, so next year will be even gloomier. So if you, the, because the, the unemployment rate in China is right now is reportedly uh, is 5.7%. So that's already a, a big number for employment activities. Uh, so next year, if you, is the, the relaxation is not taking effect yet, then the consumption and uh, the uh, uh, domestic demand is really still compressed. So it's hard to reach 5% uh, GDP growth target. And that's why I think you just mentioned in the central government, central economic uh, government's economic uh, policy uh, setting up a three uh, the tones of three directions one is the, st- st- the uh, stabilize the real estate market property market that's the first time in so many the last three years really put a positive signal on real estate market contribution uh, mm. the second is the step uh, the uh, in raising up the confidence of uh, our economy and the third one of course is the uh, increase in the domestic demand consumption, and uh, that concurs with the recent uh, uh, the central government's uh, you know plan for the 2022-2035 on the uh, boosting up the domestic demand uh, initiatives. So, so this uh, I think both a positive message for the economy, and uh, really the supply side the reform is down, and now it's on the demand side. And uh, the one of the most important factor for demand side is how to, you know, increase the economic activity post-COVID, yeah. uh, like the, every other countries in the world. Well, we're going to have to get to that. Uh, you know, it's great to have you on the show today. We, we had a bunch of other topics we wanted to get into, but time is not our friend on this occasion. Thank you very much yeah. to uh, Chen Rongbao, who is the chairman. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Wu Yanan, the chairman of Zen Rongbao. Thank you very much to Mr. Wu for joining us today on Money Talk. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, we're back to close out the show today. Looking at the markets around the region, they are down. Nikkei, Kospi, and the Australian Stock Exchange are all down. The only thing I see trading up are Bitcoin and ETH on my uh, my update here. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to be back on uh, Money Talk with John Schofield of Tempest Investment and Andrew Sullivan of Outset Global. But get ready now. Uh, we're going to have a quick hit on the news, and then we're going to have Danny Giddings and Mike Rouse give us, giving us another exciting show of back chat. Um, I'd like to say thanks to Christy Never Lie Flat 
Christy Lai giving it her all, along with, uh, she's our producer, along with Tsung Wing Ming, who is our sound man. Looking at the weather today, fine and dry, a little bit cool in the morning, max temperature around 16 degrees. Uh, right now, it's 11 degrees Celsius and 56% humidity. The time is now 8.30 and the news with Tom Harding. The Labour Department says it's launched 21 prosecutions after inspecting construction sites run by a contractor linked to a number of fatal industrial accidents. Officials also handed out 55 improvement notices after checking the 13 sites. The department announced it was launching the inspections on Thursday, a day after a 55-year-old worker was crushed to death by a collapsed beam. Lawmaker Lam Chun Singh from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon Labour Unions urged officials to inspect other contractors linked to recent industrial accidents. We face the fifth wave of pandemic situation and many construction work uh, delayed because so many workers get the COVID-19. But now the situation is become stable and the government also relaxed the social distancing measures so that uh, we worry that the construction site and the contractor and the company, maybe they need to speed up the construction process and sometime will neglect the occupational health and safety measure. Turning overseas, draft proposals on saving global biodiversity have been published at the COP15 summit in Montreal, Canada. With just one scheduled day of talks left, the draft covers 23 targets. The BBC's Helen Briggs has more. The UN Biodiversity Summit in Montreal is regarded as a last chance to put nature on a path to recovery. Throughout the talks, there's been division on the strength of the targets for restoring nature and how money should flow to developing countries to finance vital conservation work. In an attempt to forge a deal, a new text of the proposed agreement was released today by China, which holds presidency of this COP. The document retains a key goal of protecting at least 30% of the planet for nature and sets out how to boost the flow of international aid to developing countries. The authorities in Moscow say the Russian Defence Minister Sergei Shoigu has visited troops fighting in Ukraine. His ministry has published video footage of him in a helicopter that purportedly shows him inspecting frontline positions. The BBC's Danny Eberhard reports. The short edited video shows pictures of trenches but does not contain material that lends itself to independent verification of the reported visit. Russia's defense ministry doesn't specify when it's supposed to have taken place. An American think tank, the Institute for the Study of War, believes Moscow is orchestrating a public relations drive in the wake of criticism by pro-war Russian bloggers following a series of military reverses in Ukraine. The Kremlin recently publicized a meeting between President Putin and his generals that's said to have taken place on Friday. Qatar says measures taken by the European Union over an alleged case of corruption will hurt relations, including discussions on global energy security. The European Parliament suspended all work linked to Qatar after allegations it had been involved in offering bribes. The BBC's Sebastian Usher has more. 
The Gulf state again rejected allegations that it had anything to do with a major corruption scandal. Four people, including a serving MEP, have been charged with taking bribes and gifts from Qatar in a bid to influence decisions at the parliament. The Qatari diplomat statement expressed deep disappointment, but the Belgian government had, in his words, made no effort to engage with the Qatari government to establish the facts. The scandal has erupted just as European countries have been looking to Qatar as an alternative source of gas supply. Argentina have won the World Cup for the third time, beating the previous champions France 4-2 on penalties after a game for the ages. Extra time ended 3-all after France's star striker Kylian Mbappe scored a late goal to complete their second comeback of the game and his hat-trick. Argentina's Lionel Messi scored twice and has now capped a stellar career with the biggest prize of all. The BBC's Katie Watson is with Argentinian fans celebrating in Buenos Aires. People really wanted this, not just for Argentina. Yes, a third win after 36 years was important, but what was important was that this was a 